Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to the Gluten-Free Voice. This is Jules. Welcome to another episode. This is a fun one. I love doing Halloween episodes where we talk about all the fun candies that are out there that you can enjoy when you're gluten-free and have other dietary sensitivities, and also to take your questions. I've gotten some fantastic questions lately that I know that you're going to want the answers to as well. So I have compiled a lot of those questions, and we'll be talking about those today to get you ready for Thanksgiving, which, like it or not, is around the corner. And, of course, those ever-present just baking questions that come up. So I've got lots of good stuff for you this week, and I'm just going to go ahead and get started. If you'd like to call in, if we have time for questions, I'll be happy to take them. The number is 347-202-0199. If you're listening to this via podcast, obviously there's no calling in today, but look for another one of these episodes coming soon where we'll be taking your questions. Um, uh, just let me throw this out there as well. Some of you maybe have only listened to one or two of the podcasts. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts where you know we actually cover all kinds of topics, everything from you know is there gluten in wine to obviously how to handle things like Halloween and Thanksgiving, but also some fantastic interviews with lots of people in the gluten-free world who you would probably love to hear from, um, everybody from Mrs. USA, who has celiac disease, Shannon Ford, to Dr. Alessia Fasano of the Celiac Center, and um, you know just all sorts of wonderful topics. So please peruse those on my website, blog.julesglutenfree.com. If you click on the tab that says Jules on Air, then you can see the list of all the different amazing podcasts you can download for free and listen to them at your convenience. One of the podcasts I did last year with Allison St. Sure of Sure Foods Living, who always compiles a fantastic list of gluten-free Halloween treats and also other um, allergens. She covers those in her list. This year, she did not do an update because she's traveling to Africa, but last year, her update was really um, very helpful, and I know a lot of you had accessed her list and found it very useful. That list is still um, very very much up to date. There are a few changes here and there, and I just want to mention some of those to you. So if you're out doing your Halloween candy shopping or if you're going through your kids' loot after Halloween, you have something to reference. But the very best piece of advice I have for you, if there's any doubt about Halloween candy or really anything else that you're considering purchasing or eating, if you have gluten sensitivity, celiac disease, or other dietary restrictions, please call the manufacturer. The gluten-free labeling laws right now are still in flux. We're waiting for the final ruling to come out, the regulation to be issued. We expect it to be later this year, but once that comes out, things will clear up a bit, but there will be an implementation period. So it's always best to call the manufacturer and ask the questions so that you're sure that 
you or your family um, are safe when you're eating these products. Obviously, candy is not something that, you know, anyone should be eating a lot of, but even if you just get a little bit of gluten from, you know, one piece of candy, it, it is enough to really, really cause you problems, particularly if you have celiac disease. So I did get some questions from some folks on Facebook about some specifics, so I want to mention those first. The Snickers bars, um, all flavors, are actually gluten-free, which is great, and as are Tootsie Rolls, uh, Tootsie Roll Pops, and Tropical Dots. Those were some specific questions that I got on Facebook. And I did want to call out a couple other things. One is that Hershey's, which in the past has only listed a few things as being gluten-free, really kind of went back and revamped their website. And it's a great website. I would recommend that you go there if you're considering purchasing or eating any Hershey's products. If you go to theHersheyCompany.com, and they have a special nutrition section on there, and one of the topics is gluten-free, one is sugar-free, and one's kosher. So if you go to Special Dietary Needs, which is on the left, and click on that, they have a listing of all of the Hershey's products which are gluten-free. And that includes all of their Hershey's Kisses, for example, which is nice to know, um, Almond Joy, Mounds, things like that that are really, um, you may not have known were Hershey's products. And all of the York Peppermint Patties, Peppermint Patty Balls, all of those things are also gluten-free. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are also gluten-free, thank goodness, because that's one of my favorites. But they do make a note on the website that seasonally shaped peanut butter cups are not gluten-free. And I suspect that that's because that they are run on different lines and, and produced in a different manufacturing facility where there's potential for cross-contamination. But if you are planning on eating Reese's Peanut Butter Cups this holiday, don't buy the kind that are shaped like uh, jack-o'-lanterns because that shape they are calling out specifically is not being gluten-free. And like I said, I suspect it's cross-contamination, but it's not worth taking the risk, especially when you can still buy a delicious Reese's Peanut Butter Cup that is gluten-free. So just wanted to make sure you do know that. Another thing that I think people don't realize is chewing gums. A lot of chewing gums are gluten-free, but some are not gluten-free. And if it's something that you're putting in your body, um, in, you know, in or on your mouth is what I always say, then it needs to be gluten-free. And Wrigley Company, for example, has a list of products that do contain gluten. They're Altoids chocolate-dipped mints, um, peppermint mints, and also Hubba Bubba gummy tape candy has wheat flour and actually wheat fiber in it as well. So there are some products that do contain gluten and always check when you're putting something in or on your mouth, lipstick or chewing gum or food, anything like that, you need to make sure that it is indeed gluten-free. And then, of course, there's the ever-popular Peeps, which I posted something on Facebook about this this week, that I think there's been a run on Peeps, maybe because I've been telling everyone that they're gluten-free, but there has been a definite shortage of Peeps in my area. I don't know if you've been able to find them in yours, but all of the Peeps products, these marshmallows that are dipped in sugar, um, whether you choose to eat them or not, they're pretty darn cute, and they are gluten-free, and now they're labeled gluten-free. I noticed this last year as well. Some of the products do contain milk, apparently, so if that's an issue for you, you need to check with the manufacturer to see whether or not there is milk in the particular Peeps product but they are gluten-free. And that's pretty fun because you can get cats and ghosts and jack-o'-lantern-shaped peeps now that you could use to decorate a cake or to, um, you know, use, you can actually stick a 
stick inside of them and wrap them in cellophane with a ribbon and make a little peeps pop, which are totally adorable to give out on Halloween and take to your kids' classes and things like that. So, you know, innocuous as they are, they are actually gluten-free as well. So look for those peeps. If you can't find them, um, <laughs> post something online like I did. I got several several ideas from people about where to look. But I had not been able to find them in my local grocery stores or actually even drug stores. Big Lots is actually where my neighbor found them for me yesterday. So if you have a Big Lots, you may want to go raid the Big Lots for peeps because they are, um, like I said, they are gluten-free and they're pretty darn cute. So moving on from the Halloween discussion, again, you can pull up the podcast that I have from last year where we dedicated the entire um, half hour to actually talking about Halloween and how to handle that with kids who have gluten sensitivities or are gluten-free um, for other reasons. And Allison St. Shore had some other really great ideas that we shared and talked about on that program for how to really, you know, deal with the loot that comes in and how to meet that out and how to take away the things that maybe aren't safe. So it's definitely worth a listen if you have kids who are on a gluten-free diet and if you're looking for ways to navigate that um, in as, you know, least painful way as possible. There's lots of really great ideas from that podcast. And you can, again, reference that on Jules on Air at blog.julesglutenfree.com. You can pull up any of those podcasts. So... With Halloween right around the corner, sometimes it's hard to focus on anything else, but um, actually Thanksgiving follows really close behind, and there have been lots and lots of questions already from folks coming in about those wonderful Thanksgiving meals and how to handle them and getting ready for you know really planning and navigating a gluten-free Thanksgiving. And I applaud you all for you know, looking far enough ahead to see that you need to start practicing because that is my, you know, number one recommendation for anyone dealing with, you know, an event coming up where they're going to be baking gluten-free food, be it Thanksgiving, a birthday party, a family reunion, whatever it is, if you see it out there on the horizon, you need to plan your meal early, you need to practice, and you need to get confident about all of those dishes because, the whole idea is that you should be making one of everything, not two or three of everything for people to share. There's absolutely no reason why everyone at your Thanksgiving table could, you know, could not just enjoy all of the gluten-free food that you or others have made. There's, you know, plenty of wonderful gluten-free products out there now and you can absolutely make anything gluten-free from scratch which will, you know, be guaranteed to taste delicious. So, you know, really start practicing now. Your family will not um, hold a grudge to having to taste pumpkin pie in October, I promise. So, you know, test it out now. Get confident with those recipes. Experiment. And, um, you know, feel feel like you're really, really ready so that you don't have to be anxious and worried about Thanksgiving coming up because it's not about that. Thanksgiving is about being thankful for your family and your friends and for your health, and all of these things are what you should be focusing on, not stressing about your recipes. Plus, there's lots of recipes you could be making in advance, and then they're ready to have for your Thanksgiving meal. So practice those as well. One of the best is making breads, making gluten-free bread from scratch or from a mix. And when you have leftovers of that bread, you just um, freeze them, and then when you're ready to make your stuffing, you cut them up, and you're ready to have your gluten-free stuffing. You want the stuffing to be 
the bread for the stuffing to be a little bit dry anyway. So having the bread and eating it for a while and then deciding, you know, three to four days later, okay, it's starting to get a little bit dry, that's perfect for stuffing. You don't have to throw it away. Cut it up into cubes and you can use it to make croutons or stuffing anytime later or you can grind it into breadcrumbs for something else if you wanted to make, you know, breaded um, food for fish or, or chicken or anything like that. So it's perfect to have that in your freezer anyway. Go ahead and start making it now. Start practicing with your loaves, deciding what you want. Maybe you want more of an artisanal loaf. Maybe you want a really white, white loaf. Whatever you like, whatever you want, start practicing with that now. Um, You know, I I have a lot of people say, but I have all these frozen loaves in my freezer and, you know, so-and-so bought that for me at the grocery store and it just really was really bad and it was dry and yucky. And I totally get that. I understand. So those are actually really great to use as stuffing as well. They started out dry. Why not go ahead and just convert them into stuffing? Because the drier the bread, the more it's going to absorb your broth and all the seasonings and flavors that you have in your stuffing. So why not just use it up for that? And then you don't have it taking up space in your freezer anymore. And you don't have to feel guilty about throwing away food. But if you do want to make your food from scratch, the, the breads, um, you could make cornbread or you could make regular bread either way. And either one makes a wonderful stuffing. I've got recipes on my blog, blog.jewelsglutenfree.com. I also have a Thanksgiving ebook, which is really a fantastic resource for anyone who's trying to plan a Thanksgiving, be it at your house or going to someone else's house. It has checklists and all the things you need to make sure that you've done in, in you know a month in advance. This is what you want to be doing. Three weeks in advance, this is what you want to be doing. Two weeks in advance. So it lays it out for you, and it also tells you how to have the conversations with the people in your life who will be sharing a meal with you, be it, like I said, at your house or at theirs. How do you navigate that? What are the, you know, what are the ways to handle that tactfully but also safely to be sure that you can actually enjoy a really safe Thanksgiving with your family and friends. And then, of course, there's the wonderful recipes. There's like 20 recipes in there, everything from making homemade fried onion rings to put on a green bean casserole to obviously wonderful things like stuffing and breads and desserts and and all that kind of fun stuff. And, you know, again, if you don't feel like you're a very experienced baker and you're afraid to be you know, really challenging yourself with making a lot of homemade things. I mean, I even have a crustless pumpkin pie recipe in there. So anybody can make that. You don't even have to make the crust, and it's delicious. And it's actually lower in carbs, too, if you're looking to avoid that. So, you know, there's some wonderful recipes in there. And, you know, peruse my blog and other places on the Internet to get recipes. Gather those up now and start getting prepared. Also want to make sure you have all of those baking ingredients that you want to have on hand. I remember one year... There was a run on cranberries, and my mother could not find cranberries. And how are we going to make cranberry sauce without the cranberries? And I personally love making cranberry bread, which is another recipe in the Thanksgiving ebook. And how are we going to do it without cranberries? Well, if we had just bought them in advance, we would have known we had our cranberries. So make sure that there, if there's anything like that that you need, if you need to stock up on your Jules gluten-free flour, make sure you do that now so you're not getting it last minute and worried whether or not it's going to arrive in time. All of those ingredients, get those now. Then take the worry out of making sure that you have what you need. Now, on to some of your baking questions. Speaking about pies, I have a pie bag that I've been um, using for a while, which I really love, and I also have a pie, like a silicone mat that I also use to roll up my pie crusts. Either one works fantastic for transferring pie crusts and rolling them out. One of the questions that I've gotten recently, though, because I do have several cooking videos 
online about making pies and, and how to transfer them and also how to roll them out. Some of the questions I've gotten is, what the heck is on your rolling pin? <laughs> if any of you have seen one of those cooking videos of mine, it looks like the rolling pin is kind of white and has something on top of it. Well, that rolling pin is just a normal rolling pin, but I have a cheesecloth sleeve over top of it that I really um, like using because what happens is the cheesecloth sort of holds a little bit of that flour in it. So as I'm rolling out um, any kind of dough, pie crust or cookies or ravioli or anything, as I'm rolling that out, the cheesecloth cover holds a little bit of flour in it, just enough to keep it from sticking to whatever my dough is. And so I don't have to keep putting more flour on top of the dough in order to keep it from sticking. It's absolutely not essential to have it. It makes it easier, I think, to roll out you know, the stickier doughs, but you don't have to have it. If you want one, they're on my recommended products page under Jules Picks on JulesGlutenFree.com on blog. And you can see them there. You can get them online or a lot of grocery stores have them. They're super cheap. It's very easy to use. The other thing you could do is just simply get a piece of plain cheesecloth, lay it on top of your dough and roll on top of the cheesecloth and it does the same thing. If you just put a little bit of flour in there, it sort of keeps it from sticking. But the question is, well, if you're using this pie bag, do you still need the um, the sleeve, the cheesecloth sleeve over your um, rolling pin? And no, you don't because the pie crust bag is sealed on all sides. And so it's got flour inside the bag with the pie crust that you put in, zip it up and roll. So your your rolling pin never touches the pie crust because it's inside the bag. So you do not need both. If you have the pie crust bag, then you don't need the rolling pin cover. However, if you would like to use it to roll out ravioli or cookie dough or something else like that, then um, you know it's nice to have the other as well. But that recommended products page, you know, just to come back to that, I get questions all the time. What's the best bread maker to get? You know, what kind of pizza maker do you use? What's your favorite? You know, baking sheets, all of that. I just put all of that on my recommended products under Jules Picks under blog.julesglutenfree.com, so you can see what I use. And certainly, don't feel like you have to get the same brands that I use or whatever. But so you know what it is that I use and I recommend. It's right there and pretty easy to click on it and read more about it or to buy it if you wanted to. But those are some things that are on there. Also about pie crust, I get a lot of questions. And I was just in Utah this past weekend demonstrating breads and scones and things like that, and I got the same questions there. Why don't gluten-free pie crusts and breads brown the same as wheat pie crusts and breads? Well, it's a you know, legitimate question. It's very true that most of them do not brown in the same way that a wheat crust would brown. And what happens then is that people who are waiting for their pie crust or their breads or their cookies to brown, they leave them in the oven too long. And because if you're if you're somebody who has been baking for a while with wheat um, flours, then you know that when it browns, it's ready to come out. That is not what you're looking for in a gluten-free crust or um, bread because if you're waiting for it to brown, it's just going to burn. It may brown in the end, but it will be way too cooked. So what I always recommend, if you really want to have a browned um, pastry or bread, before you put it in the oven, brush the tops of the bread or the tops of the pastry your crust with some kind of a liquid protein. And by that I mean your milk of choice, an egg wash, or even butter could work. But um, I prefer a milk or an egg wash to um, to the butter. But, you know, you just brush that on lightly and it gets it a little bit wet. And when it goes into the oven, the proteins in the milk or the egg will be browning in the oven. And so they'll give your 
pie crust or your breads, the appearance that the dough is actually browning, but it's not. It's the protein on the top, which is fine. It's beautiful. It looks wonderful if you've gone onto my website and you've see pictures of breads or pastries and you see them brown, that's why. It's because I've brushed them with something else that will be you know, doing the browning for it. The number one thing that I hear from people, if they have a recipe fail with a pie crust, and most people you know, don't. Most people have wonderful pie crusts, and I hear from people every day who just think the pie crusts are fantastic. But if they have a recipe fail, guaranteed that they've left it in the oven too long, and then the pie crust gets too hard. So you want to make sure you follow those directions, cook it for as long as it says you need to cook it for it. And if you're looking for that browning, make sure you brush the tops with some sort of a liquid protein like milk or egg wash. Another thing you can do, and if you go to my blog, um, blog blog.julesglutenfree.com, if you look up my pie crust recipe on there, I have a video, but I also have step-by-step photo directions and I have recipes. One of the recipes that I have on there talks about using something called mesquite flour. Mesquite flour is, you you would think that it must smell like a a charcoal grill or something, but it doesn't. If you stick your nose in the bag of a mesquite flour, um, it smells like cocoa. It's really wonderful, um, wonderful fragrant notes um, coming from this flour. Use a tablespoon or two in lieu of a tablespoon or two of the all-purpose flour in your recipe like a pie crust, and it gives it sort of a browner hue to the pastry, and it's really quite beautiful. So it tastes good. It's really good for you, and it gives it a little brownish hue too. So it's a little trick if you want to use that. Just check out the information on my website, and you can learn more about that mesquite flour if you're interested. Um, Moving on to... Um, I guess we'll talk about graham crackers since we're talking about pie crust. A lot of people ask me, okay, I see you have a graham cracker mix, and I've tasted them. Like I had had them at um, Utah with me, and people were um, going gaga over them because they're really, really delicious graham crackers. How do you turn that into a graham cracker crust? Well, it's quite easy. The graham cracker mix makes it super easy to make graham crackers, uh, and, and you make them look like graham crackers by cutting them in, in lines and by pricking them with a fork and all that. If you need to use the, the dough to make graham cracker crust, though, you don't have to make them look pretty because you're just going to crush them all up. So roll it out. You can even roll it out on a sheet of parchment and then just transfer the parchment paper directly to your cookie sheet. Bake it without even having to cut it. And then when it's totally cooled, you stick it in your food processor or in a big zip-top bag and you pulverize it with your rolling pin. The idea with a graham cracker crust, though, is you want to make sure that you get the crumbs very, very fine because if they're big pieces in there, it will not hold together and it will just sort of fall apart when you are cutting it into slices. It'll still taste wonderful, but if you want to really have that nice formed crust around the outside of you know whatever it is you're making, sometimes I even put pumpkin pie into a graham cracker pie crust. Um, it tastes really yummy, and you know if you want it to actually be really well formed and stick to the fillings, then you want to make sure that you really, really get that graham cracker crumb very, very fine. And I have recipes on blog.julesglutenfree.com as well for making a graham cracker pie crust. So that's the, that's the way to do that. And with my graham cracker mix, it actually makes enough to make a gluten-free pie crust and still have a lot left over to cut into graham crackers, which you can obviously use as graham crackers. Or you can make them a little bigger and maybe make them a little bit thicker and use them for s'mores so they don't get too crumbly. You can use them as um, uh, ice cream sandwich wafers. And you can also use that same dough to make homemade Pop-Tarts. 
So all of that information is on my um, my blog, blog.julesglutenfree.com. Just use the search function and search for Pop-Tarts or search for graham cracker pie crust or anything like that, and you can find those recipes. I have over 200, haven't, I've stopped counting, <laughs> recipes on there. So those are all free for the taking, and you can feel free to share those as well and pass them around. Um, another question that I have gotten a lot of recently is, you know, in my breads, a lot of my breads and even quick breads, I use an ingredient um, to add moisture to it and to help it to really stay moist for several days. And that ingredient is either yogurt or sour cream. Now, I'm dairy-free, and I know a lot of you are as well. So I use either a soy or a coconut yogurt when the recipe calls for yogurt. Or if the recipe calls for sour cream, I use a soy sour cream. But you can feel free to use either. So if there's a recipe that calls for sour cream and you don't do dairy or soy, use coconut yogurt. and works perfectly fine. And I've actually heard from a lot of people, too, who have tried using buttermilk in lieu of the yogurt or the sour cream in the recipes of mine that call for that ingredient. And the buttermilk has worked really well. As, as well. So, you know, get you don't feel like, oh no, I can't use that ingredient. Get creative and, and try a substitute like that. Or certainly feel free to post a comment on my blog or on Facebook or email us at support at julesglutenfree.com because we are here to answer those types of questions and to help you get your recipes right. So um, let us know if you've made substitutions and if they work so we can share those with others. But I have heard that all of those subs are really working well, especially in the quick breads and the breads. So just for the record, you can use those as well. I've heard from a lot of friends from Canada, Australia, and the U.K. lately as well who are wanting to use my flour, but um, you know, at this point we are not able to ship overseas. I have a couple of answers for you. Um, if you do happen to live in Canada and you live near the border, there are lots of stores that are near the border, but they're in the U.S. that carry our flour. You can go on to blog.julesglutenfree.com, and, and there's a section on there about where to buy. And you can look up those um, stores. I actually need to update that because there are a lot more retailers now than there um, than there are listed. So you can also feel free to send us an email and ask. Another option is because we have so many free shipping specials that we run, if you have a friend in the States, have them order it, um, get the free shipping, and then they just need to ship it to you so you're not paying for shipping twice. And that's uh, works out for a lot of people as well. The third option is if you check out my book, Free for All Cooking, which is my newest cookbook, and it came out in 2010, and it's a paperback, and it's got 150 recipes in it, but it also has, in the beginning, lots of sections in there about how to make conversions. So let's say there's someone in your family who can't do eggs or someone can't do soy or can't do dairy or any of those things. I teach you in the beginning of the cookbook how to make those recipe substitutions, and I also teach you how to make your own gluten-free flour mixture. And it's not the same as the flour mixture that we sell um, pre-mixed, but it's a really solid mixture, and you can make it yourself, And um, especially if you live overseas and can't um, get access to the pre-made mixture. It's a really nice option. It also has substitutions in there. So, again, if you can't do one of the ingredients that, that I propose for the basic flour mixture, you can use one of the other substitutions. So if you can't find something in your area, you can try one of the substitutions there, and hopefully one of those will work for you. Free for All Cooking, you can link to it from my blog, blog.julesglutenfree.com. If you look up books on the Books tab, um, all three of those books are listed there, and I believe all of my eBooks are listed as well. And you can get those recipes from there and start using those right away and cooking to your heart's desire. So hopefully one of those solutions will work for you. Another reader just told me recently, and I thought and because this is a Halloween-ish episode, I would share it. I have a recipe on my blog for crescent rolls. 
And if um, you haven't seen those before, you know, the crescent rolls are those types of rolls that you could get, the frozen um, or refrigerator rolls that come rolled out into like a really thin triangle and you put something in the middle and roll it all up. Well, this reader said that her family has always been using those to make what they called mummy hot dogs. So they would put hot dogs in the middle and roll them up, and it looked like a mummy, mummified hot dog. And because one of her children had recently... Um, found out that they needed to be gluten free, and they're you know converting everything over. They all of a sudden had one of those moments where they're like, "Oh no, we're never going to have another mummified hot dog." And so she went on my blog and found the recipe for crescent rolls and made mummy hot dogs with them. And her kids were thrilled and thought that they were you know the best. So I'll throw that out there as a fun little thing for you if you'd like to make something um, like a mummy hot dog um, this holiday. They're pretty fun, and apparently they taste pretty yummy too. So, you know, never feel like there's a tradition or something else that you are being deprived of just because you're now going gluten-free. Reach out and ask. I bet there's an answer. I bet there's a recipe. I bet there's something else that you can use. And every day there are more things coming onto the market. So you'll have even more options. Um, One last quick thing I guess I have time just to cover. Um, I had a reader ask me about monkey bread. And monkey bread is one of those wonderful... um, you know, kind of a sweet bread that you put balls of dough into a bunt pan or a tube pan and you bake it up and it, it um, becomes this wonderful sort of pull-apart yummy bread. I don't have a recipe for that yet. I, I just haven't had time to develop one. But you could easily use my recipe for cinnamon rolls, which is on the website, and use that in place of the monkey bread dough and then follow your own monkey bread recipe. Because the cinnamon rolls... Um, that dough will be just perfect for that kind of a recipe. So you know, always ask if you have something that you're interested in, in seeing a recipe for and you don't see it on my website or you can't find it elsewhere, ask, and we'll see if we can get creative with you and find a solution. But um, if you're looking to try monkey bread this year, I would definitely recommend going onto my blog and looking up the cinnamon rolls recipe, which, by the way, there's a um, a slow cooker version of the cinnamon rolls recipe too, which is just so divine. So I would strongly recommend you take a look at that and um, you know peruse the website and see if there's anything else on there that you'd like. We will be having some amazing specials coming up for Thanksgiving and for the holidays, so stay tuned. And if you haven't signed up for our Recipe of the Week newsletter, please do that because that just is always fun to look forward to. Um, every week you just get a free gluten-free recipe popped in your email box. And um, it just you know keeps things interesting, keeps you interested in, in trying new things and maybe sparks your interest in something else or reminds you have a favorite recipe that you'd like to use and and make again. So stay in touch and um, sign up for the the recipe newsletter. You can find me on Facebook, Jules Gluten-Free Flour, on Twitter at Jules Gluten-Free. You can email us for questions for baking at support at JulesGlutenFree.com. Find me on Pinterest and Instagram. And I'm going to head back into the kitchen. Thanks again for listening and have a wonderful, safe, and happy bunch of holidays coming up. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.